1: Oh man, Knut, I'm I'm panicked today. Really? Yeah. This is uh, we're gonna do episode four. We did three yesterday. I was starting to feel calm because we had Jim O'Shaughnessy, who's Mr. Calm. We had Charlie Belletto, who was Mr. Data, and we had Brian Norgard, who's just Mr. I don't know, Mr. Surf, Mr. Surf and <laughs> Turf. And I left yesterday with the markets at their highs. Sold a little, you know. I was feeling really good. It, it sold a little few stocks into the close. Not not happy that I had to give up on some some things but today is the fucking shit show so we've got the who organization not the band saying it's a pandemic so at least we're starting to see people finally admit that uh we got a crisis and it's it was handled badly whatever it is but but we got a crisis so today uh in changing it up i want to bring on uh jeff richards who who i who I know but don't know. It's like one of those Twitter social media connections. Jeff's a great venture capitalist in San Francisco. Yep. He's as tall as you are. He's I think he's like 6'6". Wow. And but no, less intimidating than you. He doesn't have that Norwegian uh, scowl on his face. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't have oil money behind him. Oh, no, that's right. And uh, Or paperclip money. I could, is it really true about the paperclip? I don't know. Oh, okay. It and um, is a great investor. And they are ready as a big, Chinese fund at GGV. They, they run a huge, huge amount of money that invests in um, venture capital and especially China. So they've been through many cycles as, as a firm in China. I've seen everything. And and uh, so I thought it'd be an interesting uh, person to have on the show. We're not going to talk inside him for me. He loves stocks too. Um, and we're used to, over, as, 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 as tech investors, I think we're always overpaying for things because of the network effects. So, you know, take all that in stride. But I wanted to talk to someone who has a different pr- perspective on this panic because he's had uh, events canceled in China and uh, has a little little bit of insight that he can share. So let's, Sounds get, like Jeff to, so good let's idea. get Jeff on the phone. Yeah, I'll call him right now. And it is March 10th today? What is 11th it? 11th today. March 11th today. Dow closed down, I don't know, 2,000 points. Crazy. Hey, it's Jeff. Jeff Richards. Hey, guys. How are you? It's amazing. That I, I can just call people and they answer their phone. <laughs> You've got pole. That's and, we're all sitting in our,
0: and, and we're all sitting in our homes trying to figure out how to spend our days since we can't go to the office.
1: Yeah, but we love this. I mean, we don't love not networking with our our, our coworkers and stuff, but we, we don't mind. We're used to working in weird places and at weird times.
0: It's, uh, it's definitely different. I am on day three and it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, Oh, you go into the office.
1: You generally go in the office when you're yeah, in there. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. I go, to, I'm, I'm in, uh, I mean, I'm in Menlo park on Mondays. I'm usually in San Francisco on the days I'm not there. And then I travel a lot for work, but, uh, so yeah, I have not quite adjusted to the idea of not getting up, walking around, talking to people, seeing things, you know, shake, shaking hands. Um, My wife this morning she joked. She said, "Oh, you're going out to detention."
1: Yeah, (laughs) they're not used. It's different. It's different different. wearing Dockers around the house than at the office. (laughs) Okay, that was my one VC joke. Okay, so Jeff, um, I have a very stock focused, market focused audience, but they love what we do. You know, investing in seed stage. They, they're fat. Young people are fascinated by this stuff, and it's kind of a crossover world uh, that. That, that we now live in. Cause you love stocks too, even though you're a venture capitalist, you love actually, yep. this, you as you know, a personal thing. You, you, you follow these public companies too. So, um, I wanted to just talk about a few things. We're going to talk about the future. We're going to talk about what trends will inevitably, inevitably, we don't know when come out of this panic that we are currently in. And we are in a panic and, right. and, and mostly what it's like to be inside, uh, the, the big room, uh, at a bigger firm uh, as the world panics, especially since you guys have a lot of Chinese investing experience, and uh, mm-hmm. I promise no trick question. So is that okay? <laughs>
0: yeah, of course.
1: Okay, So of why course. don't we just talk yeah. a little bit about yourself? Take as much time. Jeff Richards, the man, the legend. Uh, have you always been this tall? Were you tall at birth? <laughs>
0: uh, I was tall and very skinny all the way through high school, and then I put on about 40 pounds when I got to college because I was just playing basketball in college and started lifting weights at Dartmouth, um, yeah, no, Dartmouth? I, yeah I played at Dartmouth I played all four years at Dartmouth it was uh, I think I was 6'3 170 when I got out of high school and I was 6'5 210 when I came home at Christmas from uh, my wow. freshman year my mom was like what happened <laughs> and what did but, happen um,
1: who happened to you? I
0: started I started eating right and working out it was great it was great
1: and you um, hadn't hit your growth sp- so combined you, you got a late growth spurt too I guess no
0: yeah, I did, and you know, it was one of those things. Where the other thing I figured out at Dartmouth, there were all these guys on the East Coast that had gone and done PG years at prep schools, and so they were a year older and had that, had gone through that, you know, that growth spurt. And I, w- I wish I had done that; it would have been great, um, but I didn't. So, anyways. So but played- yeah, on the investing, on the investing side, I, I grew up. My dad was was you know ran his own company and and started out selling life insurance, and then morphed that into a. Um, you know, an investment management business where he was doing investment management and 401ks and pension funds for, I grew up in Seattle. And uh, so, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the companies that we grew up around, his, his company was, or his firm was managing, you know, managing their investments in life insurance. And so I sort of grew up, I bought my first stock, I think, when I was like 12, maybe Microsoft was the first one I bought. And you know, I I think I doubled my money and sold it, and today still one of my greatest regrets.
1: <laughs> well, we I but, mean that's um, the thing about investing, right? We panic, yeah, but we also have yeah. regrets, and you can't you yeah. can't invest if you're going to worry about every nickel. Like we're just it's a it's a business of mistakes, and you can't. You know, the idea is that you, you constantly see these things, and you get better, hopefully, at, at spotting them and holding them, and talking to the right people to make sure you don't panic out of them. Which is kind of like what we do on StockTwits and on the podcast. So, so tell me about GGB, the firm, and and what you do on a day to day.
0: Yeah, so we're a, a global venture capital firm. We manage about six and a half billion dollars. So we're on the larger end of the venture spectrum. Uh, half the firm is in Asia, so our Asia team covers Southeast Asia, India, Latin America, China, and then half the firm is here in the U.S. and we've been doing that for 20 years. The firm was started in 2000 and was really one of the first venture firms to invest in China. And so we ended up probably what we're best known for in China is being, you know, one of the early VC investors in Alibaba Group back when it was a 10 million dollar revenue business and it was, I think, the valuation was 200 pre. Oh uh,
1: my so goodness! That, that, and that probably yeah. seems so expensive back then.
0: Oh, oh, there were huge debates over the valuation. And even when they raised the follow on round at a billion, people thought uh, people thought everybody was crazy because at the time, I mean, the entire Internet population in China was still, you know, sub 100 million people. Um, this is
1: 2000 during the crash or just this before was the crash?
0: 2003. Oh, OK.
1: Just after the crash.
0: Um, but it was not they hadn't launched Taobao. So this was this was the B2B business. This was Alibaba.com, right. which was selling ball bearings and you know plastics to people around the world on alibaba.com and eventually took that company public but along the way realized launched taobao and realized that that was the real gold mine and today you know that's the bulk of their business. Oh it's you an know incredible what? company. And In
1: taobao being cloud or e-commerce. Ta- taobao
0: is e-commerce. Yeah. Uh, yeah, ali cloud is their cloud business which which now is obviously growing
1: growing quickly as I well. I mean they don't even I mean that's the big business obviously. Them.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, if we talk to people who are along the stock, which I am, um, you know, it's similar to Amazon. I mean, if you bet on Amazon five, six, seven years ago, you were buying the e-commerce headlines, but the underlying growth was going to come from the cloud business and AWS. And you know, I think AWS today is probably worth I don't know six to eight hundred million. Yeah. Um, on a business that nobody really you mean, had you mean, numbers for. I think you mean. Oh, sorry. Yeah, billion. six eight hundred billion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so you kind of have the same thing with Ali in China, where um, AWS today I think is about ten billion a quarter, maybe twelve billion a quarter. Oh so forty-plus billion-dollar business, and and Ali Cloud today I think is a two or three billion-dollar business. So it's still in the early days. It's kind of where AWS was, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years ago. But um, you know, hard to believe that if if enterprise in Asia broadly. Grows like it has in the U.S. Hard to hard to not see that business getting to a similar size as AWS. And of course, now here in the U.S., you have Azure and, and Google Cloud as well.
1: Now, obviously, we're all talking our book. So, how do we step outside talking our book? <laughs> how do how do we step outside talking our book? To analyze if this panic is real or not, like what do you on a day to day basis? Because you've got to go in and both raise money from new GPs and talk to founders about down rounds or up rounds, and talk to yeah. you know what I mean, and lay the law of the yeah, land totally. as, as a VC. So what what what's happening inside GGV?
0: Well, I, I think so. So one thing I I've been in Silicon Valley since 1995, uh, which dates me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that in times like this, you really see the value of experience, right? I mean, for I sure. was here in, I was here in 2000, 2001. Uh, I was here for 9-11. I was here for the 8 09 crash. Like I've been through a bunch of cycles. And so, and I remember in, particularly in 9-11, feeling very scared. Yeah, you know, was, that uh, was the
1: last time I personally was scared. Turned me on to ambient. Yeah, I was, like nine eleven 11 was what 30, made me
0: Yeah, I was 29, 30 years old. So I was kind of seven, eight years into my professional career. And I was pretty freaked out. I mean, it was scary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the big thing there was, the like you said, the panic of, like, are there more attacks coming? Are they, you know, I remember uh, in San Francisco, people saying you shouldn't drive SUVs because, pe- you know, they were going to target people in SUVs. And, I mean, it was just crazy. Yep. So Starbucks, me, I was worried
1: about going into Starbucks yeah, at the time. Yep.
0: Yeah. And the c- cycle we're in right now with COVID feels like that. It feels more like that than it does like 08, 09. Because 08, 09, to me felt like there were a lot of systemic financial market issues that were real issues that were kind of out of a lot of people's control that were gonna take some some time to unwind. Whereas COVID with an appropriate medical response, at least from what we're seeing in Asia where they're, they're sort of 60 to 90 days into this, there is a chance of containing it. Now, obviously in the US, we've been a little bit slow to respond to it, but you know, I, I think that the optimist in me says, it's going to get really ugly, and I think we're only in the first inning of it getting ugly in the U.S. Wow. I think it's going to get really ugly over the next few weeks, but hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel. And towards the summer and the fall, we're sort of coming out of that. But but who knows? I'm not an expert.
1: Yeah, I'm not but an it, that's expert. Still more like
0: 9/11 than 0809.
1: If you're going to compare it to the flu, you have to say it's weather related too. So it's as stupid as some of the people <laughs> sound, right? Like the, if there's some aspect to the flu as it gets Terrible. warmer, the virus should subside at some point. I don't know, but um, that's what I've been yeah. reading of late, and and my friends at uh, Point Seventy Two, I was just talking to in New York, have all been quarantined. That's Stevie Cohen's fund. So so people yeah. are Americans as they do. Some are really misbehaving, and it's just we're such a big country. Some are are tuned into us and trying to figure out what the truth is. You know, my disappointment is in Jack at Twitter and Trump at, at the helm. Is we have never had better tools to communicate to more people. And, and and between Jack and Trump, they can't get their act together to go on Twitter and say, here's a live feed of the smartest people in the world uh, talking about this in a calm manner. Like we have all the tools to deliver this. And no one's even doing a good job at it. And that's why you have panic, because the people in charge yeah. don't want to get on a phone and say, listen, we have this incredible tool to disseminate information. It may not be the best information, but at least it'll calm people down with where to go. And we could do it 24-7 from the president's fucking stream that has 60 million followers and Obama's <laughs> and Obama's throwing in. And you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. And what, these two idiots can't get together and decide that for the good of the country and the good of the world that we can't spend 10 minutes figuring out how to uh, jerry-rig a Periscope or a podcast. So a lot of selfish behavior. And so that's the opportunity, I think. Obviously, you don't think about it like quite as, as, as weird as I do. But at GGV, you've kind of gone through this China thing now, right? So it's been two months. And what are you starting to see?
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. So, so a couple things. One, we've been through as as a firm, we've been doing this for twenty years. So we've yeah. been through, dot com, 0-8-09, you know, like literally eight or nine crises along the way. And when you go through those, you sort of, you start to develop a methodology, right? Let's reach out to the portfolio companies. Let's evaluate which ones have risk. Let's work with the ones that are in a little bit of a panic to calm them down. Let's give them a guide to how to communicate with their teams and, and deal with leadership and process and communication. So to some extent, the things that you were saying we should be doing as a country, we're trying to do as a firm with our portfolio. We hosted a Absolutely. webinar yesterday on COVID. We're doing another one tomorrow. Um, th- so that's part of it. And then a second part of it is, I think, is just having a big picture outlook. Like, okay, it, you know, we just did a survey of our portfolio companies in Asia, and there's hundreds of them. And we asked them, you know, what's the near-term impact? What's the long-term impact? Give us a scale, you know, things like that. And it was interesting. On the short term, 80% of them said negative impact, severe negative impact from the current uh, virus environment. 20% of them said positive impact, right? So these are companies in online education and e-commerce and food delivery, in telemedicine, categories that you would think might see a spike. We're seeing it.
1: Right, telemedicine. Um, yeah. So we'll go through. So te- I would say you just, Norgar talked about this. So telemedicine, I mean, telemedicine, I've been super, online super education. online education, uh, Zoom, which Commerce. includes Zoom, e-commerce, yep. food delivery. And food, de- food delivery is the one that I've always made fun of and I think this could be a turning point for food delivery. Like, <laughs> you, you know what about? I mean? Meaning I, <laughs> my son will order $5 jack-in-the-box for $15 to his apartment. And, yeah. And he <laughs> and values that. And... I'm like, you are a putz. But at the same time, how now this becomes a thing, meaning, hey, let's do the world a favor and not cast our our cooties everywhere and let's order in. Um, And we'll save the local business. Everybody can make a little uh, moolah off that thing. So I'm kind of now turning my... Attention to say, you know, and stop making fun of DoorDash and Postmates and all these companies because there's a there's a there's a cultural shift that may make these things necessary for the economy.
0: Yeah, the only question there I have on that, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't love the category. We don't love labor arbitrage businesses, and that's what I look at those as exactly. the, 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 the third party aggregators. The question there is, will people pay more for it? Because right now, there's no margin in that business.
1: Yeah, I never right? got it. The,
0: the, but- the, the store owner, the merchant, is giving up, you know, twenty points to DoorDash or GrubHub or twenty-five or thirty in you know, breed's case, uh, on a restaurant that only makes five or ten points of net margin at the end of the year. So that, you know, and then you've got the you've got labor costs going up for the delivery guys. So that I think that's the the question would be: out of this crisis, do they have some ability to raise price? Well, oh, that's what I mean. Like, the, yeah, the, everyone like Domino's
1: they, or McDonald's may just have to just buckle up and do it themselves and partner and kind of eat some of those costs themselves. And uh, so I'm kind of interested in that space, but that was the least interesting of the four you just mentioned. But telehealth, oh my God, yesterday I was texting with my urologist, of all people, because I'd passed a stone. And I'm like, why haven't I been texting with my doctor? Like I know there's like legal issues about it, you know what I mean? But yeah, like he reads yeah. my blog, he, he's a fan of mine. I'm a fan of his, uh, yeah. you know, no one wants to die. And we were talking about my kidney stone and I'm like, wow, I'll pay that guy anything because at least he's willing to text totally. me an answer. So how does telehealth work? What does that even mean? And where's G- GGV in that in that category?
0: Yeah. So, so, well, I'll give you two things here. One, there's a public company called Teladoc. Sure.
1: I've been following uh, sup- it. the stock. Not, just not surprisingly, the stock's yeah. been
0: running because it's its virtual, uh, virtual care. And that's literally and what have, it is. Virtual care. Yeah. They, they, they contract with employers and insurance companies. So if mm-hmm. you, if your corporation has benefits through say United health, you can get, uh, you can get Teladoc as a perk. Um, they, they route you to you know somebody in a call center who can answer your questions. Sure. We, we, we're betting on a different approach. We've got an investment in a private company called Plush Care uh, that recruits doctors from the top 25 medical schools in the country. I believe they now have 100 on the platform. Uh, they're now in 50 states. They are integrated with insurance in 50 states. But their idea is to provide a premium level of care and make oh, that your that. Uh, primary care, right? Their business is just on fire right now. I mean, because, because they're dealing with the, the guy,
1: customers that can afford to pay for it. I mean, the, you know, the 1%, yeah. you, can, you can hate them, but they listen if they can help the economy that way that's helping the economy i don't know if it's fair or not but is that kind of what you're well, saying
0: well no i i think more so the this the idea that if you look at the way this the country is trying to handle this COVID issue the biggest potential problem is panic right somebody gets yeah. a cold and they show up at the er and say i think i have covid mm-hmm. you know a 30 year old with a cold trying to take up a hospital space or hospital time from somebody who's 75 years old and actually has the disease is a huge problem. We can't accommodate all these people if everybody decides they need to go to the hospital. Correct. So what the CDC and the WHO are advising is consult a physician. Well, what's the best way to consult a physician? It's not by driving to their office and sitting in the waiting room for two hours to talk to a physician. You can go on plush care right now, book a 15 minute appointment in an hour.
1: How many Done. states, 50 states?
0: They're in all 50 states. Oh, and, and then, and then follow up with messaging Right. So that's the other part of it. You have to have HIPAA compliant messaging. Um, but it can but all that's be done. coming. And, uh, this
1: all helps HIPAA compliance.
0: Companies. This is coming. Yeah, this is coming. But like when we invested in plush care four years ago, it was so funny. I, I, I was pitching the deal internally. And, you know, I, I can give you some inside baseball on how venture capital pitches work. Sure. But I always tell entrepreneurs, think about the fact that you're pitching a partner who has to turn around and pitch his partners. Yeah, someone's going to so get their I'm, ass
1: kicked. Someone's going to get food.
0: <laughs> so I'm telling the story, and everybody says, oh, this must be like this. Everybody must be doing this, right? Telemedicine. This is a no brainer. Why wouldn't you do doctor visits on your phone? I said, guys, it's less than 5% of the market today. They were like, no, no, no. It's got to be more than that. And I went around the room. I said, all right, how many people in the room have actually done a a doctor visit on their phone? Nobody raised their hand. I said, guys, you're early adopters. You're wealthy, early adopters. And you haven't even done this. We're so early in this category that you haven't even tried it yet.
1: Well, let's say Tinder is more doctor of love. So there's a doc- <laughs> <laughs> doctor of disease and love. Okay, but real doctoring. Well, You're saying real interesting doctoring. When so,
0: guess, guess, who, guess who some of the earliest adopters of telemedicine have been?
1: I, for sure, porn stars.
0: Well, hedge fund managers. Uh, the two, they got the two fo- ends. Y- yeah, younger folks with STDs. Is, younger uh, folks with STDs.
1: Yeah, well, let yeah. me say, just text Max Plush Care, my son. He's 20 years old. Does he fit the Plush Care profile? If I see a Plush Care fucking Bill Canute from my son next week. Be <laughs> You'll be sending that to G. in trouble. So who trouble is the, the customer? Market. Who is right now a plush care type customer? Because this is the future. Uh, this is literally yeah. the future.
0: Yeah, the I'd say middle to upper income and skew female. Mm-hmm. But, you know, broad audience. When you're integrated with insurance, you can serve anyone. So that – but, you know, back to your original question, what's going to come out of this crisis? Yes. I mean, to me, that's an industry that's just been waiting to happen. For sure. And if we change, change human behavior and people say, gosh, that's a hell of a lot easier and cheaper – and takes less time than going to the emergency room or urgent care. And by the way, I'm the doctors do like this too because they can see exactly. more
1: patients, figure out new business models. You know, we're an investor in Robin Healthcare, which is just a little device that sits in the yes. doctor's office. And it's so stupid and simple. And But we, we have a long way to go. So this is inning one. So Plush Care, yep. four years ago, you had the foresight. That was a seed deal that GGV did or an A round?
0: That was a Series A. Series, series a. a.
1: And yeah. San Francisco company?
0: San Francisco
1: company. Okay, so telemedicine. I have to agree that help, helping your trend there, and the what the reason teledoc goes up is because hedge funds can't invest in plush uh, plush care or any of the competitors, so they rush and tell their boss, "We're, we're throwing some teledoc on the sheets." That's why it has, yep. uh, because that's their only way to play it in the public market. So, um, so I agree with you around telemedicine. I think what helping telemedicine is a Zoom economy and a um, uh, a. A world where slack and work from home matters, Uh, teledoc also gets a benefit from those industries now zooming ahead. No, no pun intended. Correct.
0: Well, I love Zoom. Uh, I was, I was. You and I talk about it all the time at seventy bucks a share. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I have a broader thesis way beyond COVID as to why Zoom becomes enormous.
1: Let's go. Let's go right into it while you're thinking.
0: Yeah, I mean, look. the, The short version is number one. I think the the model of communicating over video. It has gone from like a weird thing that nobody does to like becoming much more regular. Things yeah. like TikTok and FaceTime have sort of normalized it. I think Zoom is going to rapidly graduate beyond the business environment. I think our kids are going to be on Zoom taking classes and communicating with each other. And I think it's got a huge opportunity in front of it. That's one. Yeah. Two. I think it can be one of the first American tech companies to actually do well in China. Eric's Chinese. He's a he's a hero in China. He's very well regarded in China and he solves a critical problem in terms right. of running on demand, you know, 100 percent of time, critical video infrastructure. No, I just uh, and- was talking to
1: Cowan and Cowan, a bank of all people, you know, it took an interesting person that I just talked to inside of Cowan that runs change there. And he went to the COO and Zoom is now inside Cowan. So, I mean, like the best yeah. banks have already. Yeah. So as, as, as laggard as they are is already Zooming.
0: Yeah. And just think about their usage, right? I mean, you mentioned Cowan. I mean, if they're just getting started today, Mm -hmm. they're going to be using it like crazy in two or three years.
1: Yeah. And for 20 years.
0: Yeah. I mean, it zooms ball to drop. It zooms ball to drop. Yeah. And they don't really have competition. I mean, that's the other thing that kills me. It's like you're competing with Cisco's. Twenty-year-old product. Well, and Cisco stock uh, today was
1: down at like two-year lows. So it went. Yeah. You know, Cisco had a chance. I think people were riding that, hoping, but they missed it. And I Google know. Hangouts probably had the second-best chance, but they kind of blew it. Yeah.
0: Or how about Microsoft? They bought Skype years ago. Skype should have been Zoom. Hmm. And I
1: don't
0: even, think they, they even saw it.
1: that themselves when they bought it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Zoom, so I, I, yep. uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think Zoom could be a hundred billion dollar company. I didn't know the COVID virus was going to hit and the stock was going to go to 120. Yeah. But, I, you know, if you talk to me about things that I want to own for the next three to five years plus, mm-hmm. that's very high on my list. And I, I think it's just going to be you a root. Good, for and I think Eric's a hell you of an operator. For,
1: you root for pullback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and be- what about Slack? Do you like Slack? Do you think it has a big enough potential or is it just not on the list?
0: Oh, no, for sure. I love Slack. We were in Slack um, oh, okay. as, a, as a private company. It turned out to be a great investment for us. Uh, I think the company is getting unfairly uh, – I, I think people are nervous about Microsoft in that space with Teams. Yeah. And there's no question Microsoft has made a huge push with Teams. We see that in our private companies with the ones that were integrated oh. with Slack. And, and now they're also integrating with with. Um, with Teams. I mean, look, Software okay, has done an incredible job cool. with Microsoft. Okay. Incredible. Okay. I mean, the, the, I've the, the never M16, seen Teams in the
1: wild, but I, I believe you. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh.
0: I mean, I can tell you, I've got two companies that are both built to integrate, you know, we're sort of purpose built on, on integrating with Slack as the primary use case and interface with the software. In the last 12 months, they've both now rolled out integration with Teams as well. So that is definitely happening. Having said that, The TAM that these guys are going after is so big. I
1: think that's what may be underrated, right? People say so. Yeah, exactly. Okay,
0: that's the part. So why is the TAM so big? What
1: are people missing?
0: Because everybody, the the, the workforce, the global workforce that has an appetite for these tools has gotten so much bigger in the last five to 10 years. It's insane, right? You're talking about the entire SMB class, the SMB tech category, which we track aggressively, you know, 10 years ago was one company into it. Now there's 30 so companies true. and the combined market value is $400 billion, right? You've got Shopify, you've got Square, you've got Zendesk, you've got all these amazing companies in SMB. Guess what? They're all going to be Slack users, right? That category didn't, you couldn't serve SMBs with software 10 years ago,
1: hmm. right? You just couldn't. And, I think and he's a so great CEO. I think he's the right CEO. If he does a couple good acquisitions, uh, I think they, I think he needs to uh, man up and, and he, will, he will. Yeah, he obviously is a great yeah. entrepreneur. He has no interest in selling. I think the direct IPO they're getting punished for, but that's our opportunity, yep. right? Like who cares if the bankers yep. made a piece off of that? Yeah, so I'm rooting for him. I finally bought the stock uh, and they only, so you're saying it's Microsoft could kill them, but it's not likely.
0: Well, I don't think Microsoft kills them because I don't think Microsoft can do any M&A right now. Neither can Facebook or Google. I mean, any of those guys tries because to buy of anything in substance. Yeah, because of regulatory. Mm-hmm. I mean, if any of those companies try, particularly Facebook, they try oh, to buy anything right now. They're going to have a real challenge. And so I think the likelihood of Microsoft buying Slack is, is low. Um No, I didn't even think of Microsoft buying Slack, but that would
1: have been the move, right? I think Microsoft's the only one that could get away in this environment of buying a company.
0: Yeah, and to some extent, don't you think Microsoft wants Slack to be there? I mean, if they obliterate Slack,
1: and it sh- hides Government, the market. Tam. Y- Good yeah, point. The
0: government's like, Hey guys, you can't give away teams and Love bundle it in with your other products. Like you were giving away the browser 20 years ago.
1: You know what? Love that. I think that. Cause that's the uh, care.
0: That is what they're doing. They're giving away teams for free. If you're an office 365 user, yep. every time you click in, it says, Hey, what about teams?
1: Yeah. And that's an AWS play in this. And they can in five years go, look at the TAM on this that we can charge now. Uh, And that helps their market cap. Okay, well, this is why you make more than me every day of the year. I don't know about that. So besides, uh, well, for sure you make more than Canute. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just wait for your government goddamn check every month from Norway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. Why did I do that? I love it. I don't know, I don't know. Okay, so uh, work from home uh, Teladoc, what was the third one we were talking about or you were talking about?
0: Oh, trends, online trends. education, online Huge. education. So what what Huge. are you
1: seeing there? Give me an example.
0: Well, it's been a trend that people have been on coming out of China for years. There are a number of multi-billion dollar companies that have been, have been built over in China because the, you know, the appetite to learn languages and get ahead on education is so much more, uh, active than it is here in the U S. But I think you're going to see, so we, we saw that, we saw a big uptick in online education in China already in the first quarter of this year because you had, you know, hundreds of millions of kids in in schools that, that were sent couldn't home go. Yeah, needed. yeah, yeah. I heard yeah, about that where they
1: there was this app where you rate teachers and they yeah. made the app yeah. go to one star so that no one still <laughs> so couldn't be in the app store. These kids are genius. yeah,
0: they're pretty smart. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're I mean China is it's like the digital native population in China oh my is insane, God. right? You're t- you're, there's 400 million millennials in China. What 400 million millennials there's only 330 million people in the entire country the United States and all of those millennials are digital natives right they've all grown up with a smartphone oh you know God. in their pocket it's an insane growth trend to bet on oh, um, yeah. I mean, so I, online education
1: that's some good context like people yeah are...
0: and, and so what you're seeing is like that generation loves to work out we have a, we have an hmm. app in China called keep keEP. Went from zero to 100 million users in like 36 months. It's it's doing phenomenally well. It's kind of like if um, uh, how would I describe it? It's sort of like if Peloton and Instagram and and your Apple Watch had a baby, you'd have Keep. It's like a it's like a you know the center of their sort of digital fitness life. But the interesting trend here is their parents' generation wasn't super into fitness. Those 400 Correct. million millennials, fitness is a big deal. Did not They're know spending that. Money on it. They're once.
1: Got it. Yeah. And they're into it because of they want to look so it's an ego thing or is it just a smart thing?
0: It's just yeah, it's just kinda of, kind of the same way it took hold here, right? People realized it was good for you. It's you live longer, you look healthier. And then of course, yeah, there's a part of it that's probably connected to looking good and dating and all the all the other stuff that drives people to want to look good here in the US.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, we're so, yeah. Americans are just this is why I love doing this. This is why I'm so bullish. Is that if you just stop panicking for two minutes and just take a step back and talk to people who've seen the world. Humans are just doing weird, the same weird things all over the world eventually.
0: Well, and this is where I think our our point of view is a little bit unique because we're seeing, number one, we're seeing it globally. So we're seeing these, you know, like when Uber took off, we said, oh, that trend looks really interesting. And it wasn't already in, in China. Ch- D- you
1: mean when uh, Uber there took was Didi in
0: China, so we're yeah. in Didi in China. We led the series B in Grab in Singapore. Oh my God! We invested. In, you know, Grab's we were amazing. We're able to play that trend around the world.
1: Yep.
0: Um, these, like you said, it's not unique. Like the fitness trend with Peloton is not unique to the U.S. It's happening all over the world. Mm-hmm. We just invested. We love Square. We just invested in a company in India called Kada Book, which the way I describe it is if Intuit and Square had a baby, you'd have Kada Book. Well, we've already seen that movie play out here. We know small businesses want software. We know they want POS and payment capability. Why wouldn't small businesses in India want that too? Uh, But why would I want to have
1: a Jack's baby? (laughs) (laughs) You're not literally the CEO's baby. You mean the actual products had a baby? Yeah, concept. So, (laughs) so the so you're doing India as well. So, are you on a plane a lot, or is this just how big's the team at GGV?
0: We've got 85 people in the firm, uh, six six partners, and 25 people in the investment team. Yeah, I mean, I traveled 220,000 miles last year, and I wasn't. Uh, I don't even think I I would make the leaderboard. I think Hans was at like 290, Glenn was at like Hans. 250. So everybody's travels a lot.
1: And yeah, I know, part a couple of our business. Guys. I mean, I just you guys are just legendary. What? Uh, and I'm an investor in one of your funds. I think now personally, right? Yes, like, correct. Uh, the, the, We're uh, good, we got to make you some money. Eh, I've written it off. <laughs> Don't do that. My wife goes. What is Don't that? I go, it's a that. Chinese. It's a lo- It's expensive Chinese meal, honey. The uh, the um so so without being in a, able to travel, do you feel like you're? Off, how long will it be before you get nervous and you feel you're off your game? Because you guys got to be like you shouldn't even have time to talk to me. Like why are we talking? You're you're. It's costing your firm money that you're talking to me.
0: Yeah, it's a little. It's it's definitely weird. I mean, I I I'm on day three of this work from home thing, and it's definitely got me going a little. That shit crazy um i mean you know a hell of a lot more about this than i do I, i'm having to kind of figure out what the habits are how to how to make time for lunch and get out and walk around mm-hmm. and do some other things
1: mm-hmm.
0: no we're so look we've always been a very virtual team we're power users of zoom we do you know every monday we do an 11 o'clock u.s team meeting and then at four o'clock for about five hours we do our global team meeting with all of our MDs. we bring in companies to present so you know, when somebody wants to come pitch GTV, they're usually coming in at five or six or seven o'clock at night, right? Because that's a global conversation huh. happening over video. We've been doing that for—I mean, I joined the firm in two thousand eight. We've been doing the, the global video calls since since I joined. So that's not a new—that's not a new concept for us. But the idea of people not getting on planes—that is definitely hard. That you know, and I think that's so
1: the wild card here, right? Hard. We're just used it's to hard. getting on planes.
0: Yeah, and for me, I'm probably like you. I love meeting people. I love mm-hmm. seeing their office. I love feeling the culture, I want the entrepreneur to walk me around and show me the people on the team and, you know, give me a free t-shirt, whatever, whatever goes along with that office visit. And so to not do that, it's hard. It's definitely hard to just sit back and watch your computer screen and CNBC and whatever else.
1: And, and I have to say, I make fun of CNBC, but in like moments like this, they get good guests because they should. And they have access to like all the leaders of big companies and banks. So in moments like this, although I still don't watch because I get to talk to smart people on Twitter, obviously they're probably the programming's a little bit better because uh, the world is is more intense and focused. So in dealing with with the panic yourself, are you um, like with the companies that really? How do you split up your time? Because you got to help the founders. You know, in our business, in the VC business, it's hard to you can't get stuck. On your, you can't let the losers drown you, but at the same time, you have a responsibility to help those that are willing to help themselves. So how do you manage time there? and how do you is it whoever reaches out and asks for help the most? or is it your favorite companies? or is-
0: <laughs> Well, that's not how we're doing it. Uh, having been through several crises, we're we're uh, you know we've got a spreadsheet with every company on it. We're making sure we do in-person phone calls. We're asking them to set up board calls. at starting two weeks ago, we asked people to revise their plans we're pretty systematically going about having conversations with every single one of our portfolio companies. I mentioned, you know, we did the survey in China with all of our companies there. Uh, In China, we were hosting weekly conversations with the portfolio and different topics. We're starting to do that here. We just hosted the one on COVID yesterday. We're doing another one tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We're doing one next week on work from home. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I, you know, it's funny, people always ask me, what did you learn going from being an entrepreneur to being, and I raised $127 million as an entrepreneur before I was a, a, a VC, people, I say, what'd you learn? What's the biggest difference? I say, look, the biggest thing I learned is everybody thinks venture capital is all just about sitting around listening to pitches. The majority of our time as a larger firm, with the amount of companies we've invested in, is spent helping those companies be successful. Sure, right? It's helping. It's helping them raise money. It's helping them hire executives. It's helping them, you know, whatever, whatever we can do without getting into the weeds of of actually trying to run their business and drive them crazy. So that's what we're spending time on right now, to be honest. I mean, I've got a few companies that need to raise some more capital, so I'm spending time with them on their on their pitches and pitch decks. And then just diving into you know, every one of these. I was on the phone last night at 9 o'clock at night with a founder. He was asking me, hey, what what do you think is going to happen in the category I'm in? How should I think about fundraising? So that's, I think that's where all venture capitalists are going to be spending a lot of their time over the next two to three weeks. Having said that, we just approved two new deals on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're we, still writing checks. So
1: that was my next question. Absolutely. As, as, as we're in the Absolutely. middle of writing two checks at Social Leverage. Yeah. So we're business as usual. But at the same time, we're not as, we, we are. you know, we, we, we can't answer the phone as often because we've got to go help our core companies. But it hasn't changed yeah. anything about you. You're writing checks.
0: Yeah, we're writing checks. We approved several new ones. And then we've got several follow ons we, we approved. Um, I, I just like on the whole thing of like, are you investing? this this i just did a call with one of our lps and i said look in the cloud space over the last 10 years you've had two trillion dollars of market value created one trillion for google microsoft and amazon right if you take the value of azure call it two to three hundred billion mm-hmm. gcp at 100 to 200 and and uh naws at that's 6 800 left. billion yeah. that's a that's a trillion mm-hmm. then you take all the sas companies that went public over the last decade the bessemer index is about 1.2 trillion so that's two point two trillion of market value that just got created in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Do you think in the next 10 years there's going to be another 2 trillion created? My answer is yes. I yes. think the 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 number of users, the number of people using technology is going to continue to grow. Government, health healthcare, education, banking, they're all going to spend more money on technology tomorrow than they are today. So if another two trillion gets a market value gets created, I, I want to make sure that we're investing in the next Snowflake, Hachicorp, Salesforce, Adobe, you know, we, we, I don't want to, I don't want to say, oh shit, you know, that life changing company raised money in April of 2020 and we missed it because we were, you know, too focused on rewriting our work from home policies. So you have to, at the same time, you're trying to spend time with those portfolio companies. You've got to make sure you're, you're reaching out to folks, you're connecting with them, even as hard as it is to do, right. To, to reach out to somebody and say, Hey, can we do a video call? It's kind of awkward, but you got to do it because we don't want to miss those, those generational companies.
1: Well, I could talk to you all day, but your wife, uh, I was late doing this call. I I mean, I can't... I don't even want to talk about panic because the point is on the other side of panic is opportunity, and I, I drag you down. You are an opportunity hound. I'm an opportunity hound. I think we can safely say that I'm going to have you back on the show when the markets settle down and uh, talk about just uh, do an opportunity series. I think you've laid out some big ones. Obviously you're bullish on China as well. And I would say, are you bullish on India? I guess India's they benefit so much we're, from this, this oil crash too. So.
0: Yeah, we're, we're, we're bullish on India. I mean, India has some challenges from a government and infrastructure yeah. standpoint. And then it also goes through these sort of like boom and bust cycles from a funding standpoint. But long term, we're, we're very bullish. And then, you know, just back to your point about the U.S. I mean, I'm, I've i got CNBC on all day like you do.
1: No, I don't and have it market, on, but I, I respect when the, when the, <laughs> I, I'm no longer making fun of people. <laughs> well, I do. Have it on. Yeah.
0: But when the market's red, you know, people panic. Yeah. And and my thing is like, guys, the next Zoom is raising money. The next Salesforce, the next Smartsheet, the next CrowdStrike, those companies are raising money right now. Our job is to maintain calm and, and put capital to work. And it's kind of the same way I'm looking at it on the, on the public side as well as I think about my own yes. portfolio. It's like, hey, which names have I? Like, CrowdStrike's a great example. I've wanted to Yeah, CRD, for CRWD.
1: I know. Yeah, CRWD. I, I talked to And founders, I've been sitting there yeah.
0: waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And all of a sudden, I'm like, hmm, this thing's bumping along at its 52 week low. I, I know the company, I know the product line, I know the management team. Analysts tell me that they think it's a great company. Could it drop another 10, 20, 30%? Sure, I'll buy more. Yep. That's a company I want to own in five years, right? Yep. SmartSheet, Twilio, all the names that you and I have talked about. Google,
1: yeah.
0: You know, do I want to own Google in five years? I think I do.
1: I think so. You do.
0: In in the midst of a panic, can you maintain your wits? And you know, the, the 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 only thing I would say is my thesis right now is that we're still in the first inning of.
1: Okay. So that's good. To kind of temper the, your enthusiasm yeah. with the idea that this could get really. Ugly. I think
0: the next two. I think the next two or three weeks are going to be really ugly.
1: Yeah, but you can't think two, uh, or three weeks. You just have to pick, a little, invest a little every day for the next yeah. two weeks, and don't yeah. look at the don't look at the market. That's what I started to do today. I just started yesterday. Even I started to pick a few. Uh, I know I was going to lose twenty percent quickly, but uh, a couple stocks that I'm looking out ten years on because um, I have to because I, I want to. You know, the 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 last thirty percent down is just ugly. And uh, so, so your idea of the cloud being at two trillion, meaning it could go to seven hundred billion on the way to two trillion. Obviously, you're you're prepared to, to 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 watch that happen. And yeah, uh,
0: you'd love to own more, right? If you can buy good names, and just I, I just don't, I don't think the trend of, of these software companies that are that have forty percent, you know, net dollar retention, it could go to twenty percent. They could see some contracts shrink. They could see customers. Take down the size of their business, but the number of, of customers and the number of workers and the number of individual consumers that are going to be using these technologies over time is, is going to keep going up. And so you, you'll deal with some multiple compression, you'll deal with some valuation issues, but uh, this, some of these are just phenomenal companies that I want to own for, long. I mean, I've owned Salesforce since it went public.
1: Yeah, you just and have this uh, unique ability the to see things that uh yeah, good for you. I think But I get it
0: wrong. Let's 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 all we <laughs> we get it wrong. Of course sometimes.
1: we get it wrong. I mean that's that's yeah. the, but the but it's but we and we could do another episode talking about all the things you did wrong, but the, but the point is one pay, the power law era that we're in in software exactly. one one pays for 10 wrongs. Which mm.
0: which which venture teaches you that, right? Venture yeah. is a very humbling business because we're wrong a lot and a it lot. sucks. And everybody talks about their winners, and nobody tweets out the TechCrunch article about their company that failed. Right. So it's uh, it's uh, it's a All humbling right. uh, space.
1: I'm with you on that. So so be well. Uh, I'm glad uh, that you took the time for us here. On uh, our panic with friends, I would say that this was more. Uh, <laughs> is that the name of the
0: episode? Yeah, they were. The we episode? just
1: and I think what's amazing is is I'm doing what you're doing. I'm stuck. I don't want to do podcasts. Like you know, everybody asks me to do them, and and, and I and, and I don't listen to them, so I don't like to make them because if I'm not listening to them, how do I promote the fact that I'm making content that I don't listen to generally? But at the same time, these are weird moments, so we have time. Yeah and and t- just got 10 people together to do you know 10 podcasts over the next couple of days we did 3 yesterday and they're just great people who see the world from different angles and so i think our, i think our stock twits and twitter listeners and uh, will appreciate cuz you know they can follow you on twitter but at the same time nothing better than hearing you speak on a, on a bigger picture Because uh, you're long-term bullish, but you know this is just, you're saying inning one for the U.S. And you think uh, we created inning one. We should probably be in inning four.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I just saw a tweet from Ian Bremmer, who I think is super smart on global issues. And he said the percentage of U.S. adults who say coronavirus is a major public health threat is at 30% right now.
1: And what's the number it should be at?
0: It should be at 100.
1: Oh, got it. Yeah. I mean,
0: I mean, so so like if only 30 percent of the population thinks this is a big deal, we still have another week or two of people freaking out to really get the picture here that this is a real issue, guys. And if we don't get it under control, it's going to have serious ramifications. We probably have lost the opportunity to control it. And now we just have to deal with it. But the question is, how quickly can we, you know. Thankfully, the war, uh, San Francisco just banned major events, so there'll be no no fans at the next Warriors game. Uh-huh. Um, but, but, you know, like this morning, they just announced that three workers at the TSA in San Jose Airport uh, were diagnosed with the virus. So, like, how many people a day go through the San Jose Airport? A lot. This is an issue. This is a disease and a virus that is not well understood. And so until people sort of come to realize that this is a major freaking issue – and we need to take unnatural measures like quarantining ourselves in our homes and sitting mm-hmm. on Zoom calls all day. Mm-hmm. I just I just think the next couple of weeks are going to be filled with, with a lot of nervousness and panic as that 30 percent goes to, you know, whatever, 80 or 90. Um, at least uh, our government officials now are coming out and doing a 180 from where they were a week ago and saying, yeah, this is actually a pretty serious issue.
1: Wow okay uh, I I will end it on that because you're being optimistic but at the same time we're being realistic and that's why we're in a panic uh, and that's what the show this kind of series was about so I totally agree I'm sorry I was late and thanks for doing this no worries it's great to catch up yeah great to catch up talk to you soon take care Canute. what'd you think? wow what an amazing guy for a tall guy uh, he's pretty uh, smart well for a tall guy yeah (laughs) But I mean, his insight and his, his oh my eloquence and his ability to get message across is just so impressive. Well, that's why they're so successful there. Yeah. There's just so many people out there that no one's ever heard of that are just crushing it. Right. All right. Next up is going to be uh, an old banker friend. So we've covered even another swath. So we've covered venture capital. We've covered uh, quants with Jim. We've com- com- captured Charlie with just the markets in general and Brian with Seed Stage uh, Startups. So I think we've, we're, we're doing pretty well so far. Doing great. Okay, buddy. Hey, everybody, talk to you soon.